Come on in, people. You have downloaded ASI. Actually, I shouldn't say that, should I? You may be streaming ASI, ASI247.org. My name is Russ Shaw. I am your host. Zombies and the Living Dead, the ASI show today. Send me your email if you have the courage, people. Step into my dungeon, my laboratory. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit into character there too much. Um, Russ at ASI247.org is my Halloween, one of those reminders that there are dead things in the world. As a guy who's been addicted to a lot of different substances and things I shouldn't do, there's dead things that need to fall off. There are living dead things we must resist. Every season, fall, things die, get ready for new life. That's reasonable scared. You know, I get scared for things that like don't make sense at all, like clowns with red noses, or like the, the rags they use to wipe down tables when you finish eating like a chain restaurant. Really? Look, the point is, I'm here for you, okay? And as long as you are by my side, I am not leaving this apartment. Do you mind if I just close my eyes for a minute? No, of course. Of course. Thank you. Oh my god. Are you okay? You see, you just can't trust anyone. The first time I let a girl into my life and she tries to eat me. 
Yes, that is five-minute intro. That's what that is right there. Um, having some fun making that. Took some time. Man, I tell you what, uh, it's good to talk to you today. It's good to be here today. Excited to do the show today. I got a lot of information to cover. I got a long way to go in a short time to get there. That's Smokey and the Bandit. Sorry, that's not very Halloween-y, is it? Um, today, my... Uh, my topic is zombies, right? Last year I talked about vampires, like the vampire myth, and uh, relating that to the seventh commandment, um, the vampire, right, and adultery. Uh, today I was thinking about what's the most covetous kind of creature out there, and I was thinking about zombies, right? I mean, they, uh, right? There's nothing. There's not a lot to them. Not a lot of depth to a zombie. You're not going to get a lot of character development out of zombies like you will's vampires. Zombies aren't nearly as sexy as vampires, right? But you, you get what I'm saying. The, uh, the covetous creatures, right? Just um, a voracious appetite for the flesh. The movie clips I played were from a film called Zombieland in 2009, kind of a horror comedy. I think it was inspired a lot by uh, Shaun of the Dead, a British film with kind of the same uh, deal. I liked Zombieland because it's the first zombie movie that had some heart to it, you know? It's about a community, um, learning to trust other people, letting your guard down and actually letting someone in. It's also about the benefit of having a good doctrine and a good set of rules and a good system to live your life by. Very good metaphor for overcoming, right? Over, whether it's overcoming addiction or avoiding the living dead things in life. Now I'll address this like I did last year because I always would get an email on stuff like this. Um, isn't this the occult, Russ? Aren't you talking about... I, I thought Christians aren't supposed to engage in the occult. Um, these are stories, all right? Vampire myth. Um, I did a lot of historical research on the vampire myth. The vampire myth was given character in a story called Dracula, written about, like, 1890s by a guy, uh, a Christian guy named Bram Stoker. Um, I'm going... He... Right? Christian symbolism in the film, Christian symbolism in the writing. Bram Stoker, Christian guy, gives character to the vampire myth, and vampires, right, have been written about ever since. Again, stories. We're talking about story. We're not talking about getting engaged in occult practices. I'm not conjuring up spirits. I'm not praying to demon gods. I'm not engaging in, right? I mean, there's a heart level pouring out that goes into worship or being involved in the occult. You're trying to get something out of it, right? You're trying you're reaching for something you're pouring out into. This is simply watching or caring about like Jesus did missional in the culture, all right? There is an infection in the world. There is sin, right? Sin is the infection. It is the affliction. If you've seen the the t-shirts affliction, right? Um People have been writing about the affliction for years. There's art and there's music and there's film about sin and the affliction. And I think this is a good and healthy thing. 
when we ignore the disease, ignore the affliction in the heart, we're not doing good, we're doing harm. Does that make sense? The best way to let an infection spread, the best way to let a wound fester, is to ignore it. People nowadays, people who are hungry and thirsty for doctrine, you know what I mean by that? Like there's people who, you know, there's a song by Audio Slave which is, show me how to live, right? I mean, there's people that are hungry, thirsty for that, and they go to the Cineplex, right? They rent a DVD, and they are being influenced emotionally, intellectually, whether they like it or not, by the films and stories that they see. That is storytelling in our culture today. Christians should not be afraid of being involved in watching films in the horror genre. There's a lot of great stories about supernatural occurrences in horror films that you don't see in any other genre and I think it's important it's even healthy for people to think about that because demons and Satan and hell are real alright no the stories that people bring up and stuff that yes there's fiction in that but it gets people thinking about the reality of hell right hell is real demons are real I believe that I've Right? I've experienced stuff that I can't explain. I've experienced supernatural. Just doing this show, the stuff that my wife and I have been through, I'm not going to go into that, but there's a movie out there called The Right. You want to rent a cool movie for Halloween? It's called The Right with Anthony Hopkins. A lot of fiction in it. But you know, I would challenge any atheist right, um, psychologist to spend a year in a growing, thriving church in something like counseling ministry just as a fly in the wall to observe. When You will experience supernatural stuff. You will. All right. If it's a healthy church that's growing, if the counseling is spiritually robust and is all about Jesus, there will be demonic resistance. There will be, right, and I know some of you rationalists out there are kind of, all right, Russ, where are you going with this? Absolutely true, okay? It's called The Right um, with Anthony Hopkins. It's actually based on a true story. I'm not Catholic, but there's a doubter in the film, and I love the, the way the doubter, right, starts to work things out as he is engaged in and involved in um, this kind of counseling if you will and yes a lot of that's pumped up for Hollywood in the right it's not right it's based on a true story but the, yes there's some fiction involved but there are real supernatural occurrences some of that's expressed in this film things that actually happen uh, Pastor Mark Marshall Church um, pastor at our church for example it has some pretty frightening stories right there uh, but you get what I'm saying right this is film it's storytelling Stephen Hawking, who I believe just needs a huge hug, right? This guy, I <laughs> love this guy, but his angst and anger and bitterness towards God with his intellect is mind-blowing. Like he said that, oh, well, people invented religion to explain the things that they don't understand about human behavior. It's like, okay, you know what? You sit in a counseling session with someone and they turn on you and start to say shameful, disgusting things in detail about your childhood that no one would ever know. Things that are very deeply secret and intensely shameful that aren't public knowledge, right? You're, what you're doing with science is coming up with rational explanations to explain something like that. Um, 
I don't know how you explain something like that. All right, checking that off the list, the uh, cultural impact of the horror genre. Um, getting right into it, the history of zombies. Check this out. This is uh, from a, a website that talks about some of the, the history I, I liked, and, and I've heard about this before as well. The word zombie actually means spirit of the dead. It's from voodoo folklore, all right? It actually comes from Haiti, where uh, voodoo priests would uh, study black magic, and they would, like, charge people. This is a way of making money for, for these folks. I mean, they could bring, they, listen, I'll, you got a dead relative, I'll raise them from the dead, and, uh, you know, I'll do that for you because it's evil, right? You have, your heart is so, like, this person died, I want to control that. I want to put a spell on this person, maybe raise them from the dead so they can continue to um, do housework. I don't know. Work on the car. Like, he can't be dead. He has to fix the car. Um, so they would, the voodoo priest would make you into a zombie and then you would um, fix a car. And feed on human flesh because they're hungry, right? Um, I don't... This is... I'm, I make jokes, but it's zombies. I, this is serious, Russ. Come on. Um, Zombie movies, this is a kind of a cool thing about zombies, and it also goes to what I talk about with the three layers of identity, and how zombies, like, there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of character development to a zombie, right? Like, they just don't have a lot of, uh, you know, depth to them. They just kind of run around, and they're dead people who, right? There's not a lot of dialogue with a zombie, it's just kind of, eh, right? Most of the development of the story of the zombie has been done in film going back to actually the first film was i walked with a zombie right actually that was 1943 there was another one uh the, the earliest zombie film was called white zombie and it came out in 1932 you know as kind of part of the universal era with the universal monsters and guess who it starred all right Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, starring uh, Bela Lugosi, right? Bela Lugosi plays a Haitian businessman who, you know, look it up if you want to see the, the movie. Old, old zombie movie from, uh, I believe it was 1932, yeah, 1932. So as we move along in time, um, Night of the Living Dead comes out. This was one of the most popular zombie movies. It came out in 1968, same year that I was born. 1968, Night of the Living Dead, um, it started to give a little more, right, the zombie myth changes kind of, you know, from this uh, uh, thing that's resurrected by, you know, witch doctors to like a pandemic, like a, a sickness or something, you're, you're engaged, you start the story right in the middle of the, and that's how a lot of zombie films start today, like they, you're in the middle of the zombie apocalypse and you have to survive, right, and that's just part of the story. Um, Thriller, the music video Thriller, you know, they got zombies dancing, the big dance uh, choreography, probably one of the most famous choreography dance um, tracks in any music video is uh, Thriller, and they're all dressed as zombies and doing the kind of zombie dance that they do there. But anyway, the history of zombies, The Evil Dead were some 80s movies that came out um, that go into this you know, they go back to the original, you know, demonic kind of uh, folklore as far as, 
evil dead, right? That these these are the people that turn into zombies because they're possessed by demons or whatever. And that was part of this, what a lot of people would say about the voodoo priests, that they would bring demonic spirit, uh, spirits into dead people and, and let them um, walk around with, right... A, a demonic spirit in a, in a dead person as they kind of limp around because they're dead. Now, I heard, here's some, some strange stories. I've heard stories from people who went to um, Haiti after the earthquakes and, and reported seeing stuff like this. I don't believe this necessarily, right? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a rationalist. I'm a skeptic. All right, you saw zombies, Christian dude, all right? Mr. Missionary, that's quite a story there. Did you get a pulse? Um, uh, did he bite you? I don't know. But yeah, there's there's stories of, of zombies in Haiti after the earthquake where voodoo priests would go and try and resurrect dead relatives of people that died in the earthquake. A really weird stories like that and people saying, yeah, I saw a zombie. I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I, I, I studied anatomy. All right. Your muscles need blood pumping through them. They need oxygen. You wouldn't, if your heart stopped, your, your muscles, you wouldn't have enough energy to walk around, right? You wouldn't have enough um, fuel in your body to make your muscles have you stand upright, much less walk around, all right? Anatomy kind of ruined the zombie myth for me. Um, I mean, that's just true. Your muscles need right some some oxygen i mean yes you after your heart stops your muscles can still work i mean there's reports of that but not for very long the body needs fuel heart pumps blood through the body uh that's the way things work right so yes most of the character development or the story of the zombies has come out through film through the horror genre what scares you right a global pandemic scares people i mean that's part of the 28 days you know these films that came out after the whole anthrax scare and people you know during the terrorist terrorists are getting involved with chemical weapons right and i mean stuff like that in the 80s you know the uh, nuclear waste and stuff with the uh, these films that have to do with being fearful of what's going on in the world and then having captured that in the horror genre so what does this have to do with addiction russ um a lot, actually, especially when it comes to sexual integrity. You know, there's something about that zombie thing that, that kind of makes sense to me as a metaphor with some people in the culture, right? Sexuality, feeding on the flesh without a whole lot of character development, without knowing a person, just wanting to feed. Does that make sense? Uh, something that uh, Pastor Mark says at our church, there's a lot of young men who chase women, right, vigilantly and with, right, a lot of their energy and everything is all about, like, I'm, I'm selling pizza at this bike shop where they fix Harleys and motorcycles and stuff like that, and, and I, I, that's what I do for a living. I sell pizza. I'm a catering service. So I go in, and these guys are buying pizza, and this one mechanic guy, he usually buys pizza every week, goes, oh, sorry, Russ, I can't buy a pizza this week. I'm saving money for beer and pussy. Like, okay, all right, dude. Um, I've been there, been where you're at, so I, I know what he's, I know where he's at, right? That's a big statement. He's joking around, but you get what I'm saying? Like, Pastor Mark says, there's a lot of guys who chase after women like a dog chasing after a fire truck. And if they caught the fire truck, they wouldn't know what to do with it, all right? You, you're just looking for sex, and then what? You move on to the next one? How long do you do that until you're just a shallow shell of a zombie person just walking around going, uh, you know, like you don't know anybody. Everything's all about you and your feeding and your appetite. 
you don't really know how to love another person. And I think that's a big um, analogy, metaphor with the zombies, right? Zombies don't have any love. You can't love a zombie. It doesn't, right? It's dead inside. No, nothing behind their eyes, right? They're usually in the movies, their eyes are white or glossed over. It's just a shallow result of existentialism, right? This kind of existential kind of worldview that just has people walking around like the living dead. No hope, no purpose. I'm just going to feed. Not to say that existentialism is in and of itself bad, just the kind of meaninglessness of it. I'm not going to unpack existentialism. I don't really have time. Um, but I, it's a topic for a future show. Part of the intensity, right, and the treasure and the gravity of what we feed on, what we're hungry for, right? Or, or we're all, and here's part of what I talk about in this show when it comes to addiction, when it comes to why we do the things we do. Why do I do that? Okay, here's part of it. We are worshipers. I know I've said this before. You're a ho- you're like a garden hose with no shutoff valve. Your whole life is pouring out, and a lot of what I see pouring out, like you know, zombie land, right? I mean, there's there uh, television, for example. I'll give you an example with television. There's a lot of good shows and and awesome shows that go into depth about subjects, and a lot of those shows don't make it, and some of the writing is bad, and some of the, there are some shows with depths to them that are good shows that do have great writing, and then there's shows like um, Two and a Half Men, all right? I finally sat through an episode of Two and a Half Men. Uh, I, I've sat and watched a little bit of it before. I'm like, eh. Um, I watched the one where uh, Ashton Kutcher comes on as the new Charlie Sheen, and they do Charlie Sheen's funeral for his character i mean it was just superficial and you know trite and kind of funny in parts but still i just i just don't get the the drab superficial right aspect to it the guy's you know suicidal at the beginning of the the episode and then he has a threesome with two girls and then he's fine right and he likes this new lifestyle that he's living and it, it, this is one of the most watched shows on television, in here in America anyway, here in the United States. And listen, I'm not judging you if you like or watch Two and a Half Men. Um, I guess my question to you is, uh, can you be honest? Are you emotionally impacted by the stories in that show, right? Uh, is your doctrine, is the, how, way, the way that you're emotionally influenced, right? It, does it, I mean, be honest with yourself about that. Is it really just mind, you know, just shut your mind off and watch a, a funny sitcom or are you influenced by it? I guess that's my question. And listen, when it comes to zombie land, I'm not just talking about sexuality. I'm talking about our culture with ethics. A lot of the economic situation that we're in comes from banks and people with just a jacked up, selfish ethic, right? Oh, well, it's those horrible rich people, Russ, don't you know? No, I don't believe that at all. There are rich people who are servants and create wealth righteously, and there are people who are sharks and create wealth unrighteously by lying, by feeding off of other people. The sharks in the business world went and lied and devoured and fed on the flesh and of others to get money for themselves. And that's part of the situation we're in. The, with the bank collapsing, 
right? The mortgage companies. Um, I heard a woman who uh, on Twitter, she was tweeting about being in a meeting and they kept saying this word ethics cloud, right? They kept bringing up ethics cloud. Um, she's like, I, I, if I had a nickel for every time they said ethics cloud, you know, ethics today are a big deal in 2011 because of zombies who lived this former way of doing business. All that stuff has to change. And here's another thing that I'm going to put a disclaimer up on this show. As you listen to this show today, be mindful of keeping these words and and focusing on listening to it for you okay behind your eyes like don't take the words i say and automatically start thinking about other people or thinking about the culture or thinking about that friend of yours over here i want you to listen to the show and and really focus on how what my words do to impact you behind your heart. The questions that I'm going to ask you, because listen, there is a temptation to not think about my situation to reflect or deflect it out onto others. Listen behind your eyes for this episode especially, all right? All these episodes, really, but okay. Listen from behind your eyes, behind your ears, I'm speaking to you. Not your friends, not the culture, you, all right? In the last episode, I touched on shallow religion, right? Like, there's a lot of shallowness to people who are just religious. This was me, all right? I'm going to use my story as an example. I got in the Amway business, thought I was going to be a millionaire in Amway. I did learn a lot of cool stuff about being an entrepreneur. It's pride or why I own my own business today. But... Right, there was a lot of just kind of shallow, superficial, just think positive all the time, right? Just keep it positive, keep it happy. Is there some good to that? Yeah, but um, it's also kind of like holding back a sneeze, you know. I mean, there's some things that you just you're gonna have to let loose, and it's not healthy to just avoid or negate or just keep focused on the surface so everything looks shiny on the outside of the cup, as Jesus would say. When I was in church as a kid, I was taught that Christians don't drink alcohol. Christians don't say swear words. Christians don't watch rated R movies, right? And you would see those guys, right? The guy who never says swear words. The guy that I've never seen drink a beer. The guy who, you know, doesn't go to rated R movies. Listen, after reading the Bible, I realized that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine, okay? It was wine. It was good wine, all right? Listen to the first episode in the Decalogue if you want to get some more information on that, on alcohol alcohol in the Bible. Um, so there's that, right? And then uh, swear words like, well, there's no, the Bible does talk about profanity, but a lot of profanity has to do with stuff, right? Like they'll talk about on Two and a Half Men, for example. I mean, there's some conversations that you can have about women that are totally profane without you saying one of the, the big, the F word, you know, for example, right? Jesus in Matthew 5 is talking about the sixth commandment, right? Thou shalt not kill. And he says, right, he raises the bar on the Pharisees, the religious people, because they think they're pretty good people, right? Like, I've never killed anybody. I'm not a sinner. And then Jesus says, if you've ever said the word raka, all right, if you've ever looked at someone, pointed at them, and cursed them like I hate you or F you, all right, that is the same as killing someone. You have in your heart to 
kill them, to assassinate their character. All right? He says the word. He says raka. He uses the word. All right? In our culture today, that would be like me saying fuck you to somebody. All right? It's those, it's that kind of language. It is, you say it more than once in a movie, it's rated R. Okay? PG 13, you can use that word once. You use it again, it's rated R. These shows are marked explicit, by the way. Yeah, I use that word. This is a show about addiction, sexual addiction in particular. So, okay, I, I use that word amongst adults. You shouldn't be listening to the show where you're driving around with your kids in the car. I mean, are, are, is that just kind of obvious? Or do you really see that as profanity amongst adults? Do we have to um, nullify everything? conversation so that it is acceptable to five-year-olds. I mean, that's more than a little shallow, isn't it? So I read that passage in the Bible, and I was reminded of the triteness of the religion that I grew up in. Um, you know, these people that are like, oh, if I have a beer, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage someone else to stumble. Okay, well, Jesus turns water into wine at a party, all right? You think that, oh, you, are you more holier than Jesus because he turned water into wine at a party? Oh, what if there was somebody at the party who, you know, if he saw Jesus drinking wine, he would just become a raging alcoholic, all right? That's not what it's about. Yes, if you know someone who struggles with alcoholism, you don't go and bring a half case of beer to their house. I mean, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? You don't um, tempt the weaker brother who's struggling with his addiction. But that doesn't mean we nullify the culture to, right? It's selfish to look at the world and say, I'm the weaker brother. The world needs to be or like under plexiglass so that I can walk around disease free. Does that make sense? Um, the culture with movies and music, you know, Christians should only listen to uh, Christian music. I mean, stuff like that. This is um, part of the Christian ghetto. I talked about that in some of the early shows where Christians, religious people who call themselves Christians, moved away from the culture, just let the cities, you know, go into decline. Another thing Jesus said in Matthew 5 is that we're like salt, right? We're like a preservative for culture. You stay in there with the culture. You love the people in the culture. You don't run away from the scary cities because that's where the disease is. I mean, that Jesus hung around with the sinners, the, right? Um, the Pharisees, the religious people, come to Jesus. Why do you hang out with sinners? He says, I'm the doctor. Shouldn't the physician hang out with six people? I mean, it's some common sense, right? And behind your eyes, I want you to think about this kind of stuff. What is your major energy when it comes to um, repentance or recovery or overcoming addiction? Where does your energy focus? Are you really focused on your heart or are you just trying to control, you know, your version of the culture out here? And I think there's some good to that. Don't watch rated R movies if you're tempted by that. Take a season, but I do think that you need to, when your heart changes, when you realize that you're not just trying to, you know, it's not about out there, it's in here, it's a heart issue, you can start to, again, you know, experience some of those stories. I mean, I talked about... Uh, in the last show, where I don't watch sex scenes in film. I don't need softcore porn in my brain. I don't, I hate that the culture does that, but I'm not going to run around, you know, with a picket sign. Jesus never did that. Jesus never did that. He loved the people in the culture. I don't watch sex scenes. I don't look at naked women who aren't my wife. Not because I'm a prude, because that's my story. Those are my 
things that that I struggle with and I deal with. So I'm the weaker brother in that area. But you know, I, I'm not. Again, I, I I don't want to drink in naked images of someone who's not my wife. Some people see it as art. I don't. I see it as temptation. I see it as not being loving towards my wife. And I do believe more Christian men should have that attitude. But again, it's like, uh, again, something Pastor Mark said, being a personal Pharisee over my own body and my own eyes. I don't run around pointing the finger, telling everybody else how they should live. I, I point to the Bible. I point to Jesus. And I talk about the things that I struggle with because I'm not perfect. Something the Apostle Paul said, a guy who wrote like a bunch of the New Testament, more than like three quarters of it, something like that. He says, I, I'm going to talk about my iniquities. I'm going to talk about where I struggle. I'm going to talk about where Jesus is saving me because it's not about me. Because listen, the reality of the guys who are focused on those things, right? They look pretty shiny on the surface. It's those guys who you hear the stories of having an affair, right? Tapping their foot in the men's room. Um, ethics when it comes to business. I mean, people get indicted. All of a sudden, the guy who doesn't say swear words, the guy you've never seen drink alcohol, gets arrested for embezzling money from his church or his company yeah he looked pretty shiny clean on the outside yeah he didn't watch rated r movies yeah he didn't drink beer <laughs> he didn't cuss but he was arrested for having sex with a, a minor a prostitute i mean things like this happen a lot and pri it, the primary reason is because of zombie land right because we're not talking about heart issues man christians if you're listening to the show man you heard that intro you heard that stuff in the beginning and you're judging me some of your churches need to change all right you got fear of man issues you're way more afraid of the church lady in the right those people in the board who are all about the outside of the cup you're more worried about what they're going to say than what God's going to say and what God's going to do in your culture. And I've said this before, and I know it pisses people off, but I'm going to say it again. If your church isn't growing numerically, you're saying to your community, you're saying to your city, you can all go to hell. That's the truth. Most of your energy is spent staying safe, keeping your own little controlled group of people, and preaching to yourself. And that is selfish. That is sinful. And you're a coveting monster because you don't talk about heart issues because you you devour and you keep this zombie glazed over surface people walk by your church and don't know what's going on inside that it's about Jesus if if it is about Jesus it should be Romans chapter 5 this is from a common English bible this is verses 5 through 8 people whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things but people whose lives are based on the spirit think about things that are related to the spirit the attitude that comes forth from selfishness leads to death but the attitude that comes from the spirit leads to life and peace so the attitude that comes from selfishness is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law because it can't. People who are self-centered aren't able to please God. Those are some very strong words from the Apostle Paul. And this is the problem with shallow Christianity. 
it spends the bulk of its energy focused on the surface. This is the problem with shallow relationships. It spends the bulk of its energy just looking shiny, looking clean, making sure that everything's fine on the surface when it's not. This is why people get divorced, right? There's so much turmoil going on in the heart that's never talked about up here. There's so much infection and affliction going on in the soul, and it's never brought to the surface. It's never brought to your spouse. It's never brought to the church. It's never brought to God, before God. Our motivations of the heart, our hungers and thirsts and needing love, we don't talk about that. And then we fear that if we do, we're just going to have a door slammed in our face. This is why it's important to be in the church. This is why it's important to have a relationship with Jesus. And I know some of you have doubts, and I have doubts too, man. All right? I've had doubts all my life. Doubt is not a bad thing. And this is the problem with shallow Christianity. It spends the bulk of its energy focused on the surface. This is the problem with shallow relationships. It spends the bulk of its energy just looking shiny, looking clean, making sure that everything's fine on the surface when it's not. This is why people get divorced, right? There's so much turmoil going on in the heart that's never talked about up here. There's so much infection and affliction going on in the soul, and it's never brought to the surface. It's never brought to your spouse. It's never brought to the church. It's never brought to God, before God. Our motivations of the heart, our hungers and thirsts and needing love, we don't talk about that. And then we fear that if we do, we're just going to have a door slammed in our face. This is why it's important to be in the church. This is why it's important to have a relationship with Jesus. And I know some of you have doubts, and I have doubts too, man. All right? I've had doubts all my life. Doubt is not a bad thing. Isn't doubt this destructive thing, Russ, that tears people away from God? No, it's not. Doubt can be a very healthy spiritual thing that pulls you towards God and solving that dissidence in your mind and realizing that the way you've done it in the past hasn't worked. That's why we're addicted, right? That's why we're stuck. That's why we don't trust. Doubt is proof that we're dying to ourselves, right? Doubt is the way of killing the zombie. You cut off his head, right? That's the, the zombie movies. You got to remove the brain, shut down the brain. We all are thinkers. We're thinking all day long. It's cognition. It's what we do. We're constantly in our heads thinking about our life. The person you talk to the most is you. And it's killing some of these queen ants of of just bitterness, right? The bitterness that gets in the heart, this this jumping to conclusions, knowing that it's always going to end horribly, not taking steps of faith. Doubt signals that we're in the process of changing the way we think. We are all dying in order to live, right? We all have leaves that are going to fall off, hit the ground. It's going to be winter for a season, and then spring comes. We are all changing our process of thinking. That is what we're going to do. How, what are you going to place your faith in? Are you going to try and stay in winter, or are you going to let the leaves fall off? Are you going to let some things change in the way you think, in the way your heart works, in the way you solve the dissidents and the things that pop up in life. 
I just pray that you have enough doubt for the things that you know, the things that you're comfortable with, the ways that you've reacted in the past. I pray that you put more doubt in that and more faith in Jesus. And if you're going to doubt Jesus, I pray that you start to work out that dissidence in why you do. It's important. Because at some point, we all let go, and we all become spirit-led, and we're going to release and let go, and that's what we do. What are we going to place our faith and hope in today? That's all I got today, man. I'm going to end the show right there. Love you guys. Killing the living dead things right? Stop letting dead things be living in your thought process. Stop letting bitterness rule. Man, I'm, that's a message for me too. I'm still working on that. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. My name is Russ Shaw. It's ASI247.org. Um, this is a song by Barlow Girl. I love this tune. Till next time, bye. Yeah, I trust in you I remember times you led me This time it's bigger